Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Sitting here on, I guess, early Saturday morning at this point, uh, but we're going to be breaking down the Saturday, January 28th slate of DFS College Basketball. Going to be doing a big preview for the early main slate, I guess, the one that starts at noon. That is the one that's got the biggest contest, uh, most games going on. Um, so that's the primary slate on, of the day on DraftKings. Uh, so we're going to be breaking that one down. And then at the end, I'm going to be giving my top five plays as a bonus um, from the afternoon and the evening slates. Also, if you did not know, if you play on FanDuel, FanDuel does have college basketball contests up for tomorrow. They're doing kind of like a whole day thing. Um, so a lot of this logic, a lot of this knowledge will apply on there as well. Now, I know this is coming out late at night. You know, I talked about this earlier this week. My high school basketball team did have a game tonight. We did win. We actually won by, I believe, 40. Um, but... It's kind of tough for me to do these Friday night episodes because um, I'm either going to have to do it late at night. There's no way I could do it earlier. Um, so if you do like this episode, let me know. Listen, review, rate, subscribe. Let me know that you like these Saturday episodes um, so that way I can keep doing it. All right. Um, if you need ways to let me know, shout me out on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. Um, or you can rate and review on Apple Podcasts. We're now on Apple now. Or Spotify. You can hit subscribe and you can review. If you want to see how I take all this information and put it into my DFS lineups, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. Uh, had a winner win big this week. Um, and, you know, just putting picks on there. If you want to know how I, you know, what really ends up being the top of the line plays for me and how I build it into a correlated lineup, that is your spot to go. All right. So enough talking. We got a big Slatterday slate ahead of us. So let's go ahead and start breaking it down. But first, a quick word from our friends at Anchor. All right, so there are a few games that we do want to go out of our way to target in this early slate. Uh, I'm going to mention two of them. The first one is Wake Forest at NC State. Both of these teams, good on offense, bad on defense. Great matchup for daily fantasy purposes. The total in this one is 154.5, and Wake is currently one-point favorites. The second game that we want to target is going to be Xavier at Creighton. Uh, the total in that one is 157, and Creighton is four-point favorites, both of which are surprising numbers because Xavier won the first meeting between these two teams earlier this month at the Centos Center, uh, and they won that game 90-87. to 87. So there was 177 total points scored, and Xavier won by three points. Yet in this one, they're projecting 157, and Creighton's favored by four. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. I think both these teams are targetable. Both of these games are definitely guys that I think you can get stars and ancillary pieces from. Uh, and remember, I talked about this earlier this week. If you're a longtime listener, you probably heard this before. One of the trends in lineup building now for college basketball is not stacking three or four guys from one team, but going like a one and one or a two and one from one game where you get the stars or you know a star and a mid-range guy that both go off in the same game uh, and then kind of doing that two or three times throughout your lineup. So um, definitely ways that you could do that with Wake Forest and NC State, definitely ways that you could do that with Xavier and Creighton. If you're looking for one team that's in a tempo up spot, a team that normally plays slow but is going to be up against somebody who plays fast, uh, Iowa State is that against Missouri. Uh, they are implied for 72 points in that game. And then Oklahoma is that taking on Alabama as well. Oklahoma, one of the slowest teams in the nation. Alabama, one of the fastest teams in the nation. And Oklahoma is implied 70 points in that game. All right, now let's start breaking down the guard position. So in terms of the high-priced guards, um, Terquavian Smith is the highest-priced guard on this slate. He had an injury scare last week, but he did come back and put up 38 fantasy points in 39 minutes against Notre Dame. And 
I think this is just a great spot against Wake Forest. Armand Franklin of Virginia just had 45 fantasy points against Wake. Matthew Cleveland of Florida State had 19 points and 12 rebounds a few weeks ago against uh, Wake Forest. I, I apologize. I'm, I, I said NC State, but I meant against Wake Forest. Matthew Cleveland had 19-12 against Wake Forest. L. Ellis, 20 points, 3 rebounds, 8 assists against Wake Forest. R.J. Davis of North Carolina, 27 points, 4 boards, 4 assists against Wake Forest. Guards go off against Wake Forest. And so I think that this is a spot for Terquavion Smith. Yes, he's up there in price, but I actually don't think a whole lot of people are going to go up there and pay up for him. So I think he's a really solid play on this slate. If you don't like Terquavion Smith, just look across the other side of this game. Tyree Appleby of Wake Forest is in a good spot as well. NC State is not a good perimeter defending team, and Appleby has hit four times salary even at this inflated price six times this season. In all six of those games, Wake Forest scored over 70 points, and his low when Wake gets to 70 points is 32.5 fantasy points. Guess what? Wake has implied 78 points in this game, so they'd have to miss that mark by nine points for this to be a bad spot for Tyree Appleby. I really do like Appleby. Now, let's talk about Xavier. So we've been keeping track of these two guards almost all season long now, Suley Boom and Colby Jones. So Boom outscored Jones again Wednesday night at UConn. Um, so chalk that another one up for Boom. He, he kind of continues to outscore Jones. I believe he's in the lead at this point. Um, now, last time the two of these guys played Creighton, Boom had 47.3 fantasy points. Jones had 33 fantasy points. So both ended up being solid options, but Boom was the guy. Now, that's not to say that Boom's going to be the guy again. Um, because, you know, Creighton's not just going to go in there and be like, hey, you know, Suey Boom tore us up last time. Let's have him tear us up again. No, that's not what the coaches are in there game planning for. So, um, you know, it's just a prior history, something to go by. Maybe there is a matchup better there for Boom than Jones. Uh, also, on the other side of this game, Creighton's Baylor Shireman had 42 fantasy points. That's worth noting as well. So I think all three of these guys are actually playable, Boom, Jones, and Shireman. Uh, and like I said, this game environment definitely lends itself to a lot of fantasy points. Landers Nolly of Cincinnati has been outstanding lately, but he only had 14 fantasy points against Houston the last time they played. Houston is third in the nation defensively, according to Ken Palm, and Cincinnati's implied 58 points in this game. They only scored 59 the last time they played Houston, so I kind of expect another performance similar to that from Landers Nolly. If you're curious, Micah Adams-Woods of Cincinnati had 30 fantasy points in that in that game, he is the only Bearcat in that game to hit four times value, and it was barely four times value. On the other side for Houston, Marcus Sasser had 37 fantasy points in that game, which is almost four times value. Traymond Mark did get to four times value. He had 30 fantasy points. And then both Houston bigs, Jairus Walker and Juwan Roberts hit four times value. Um, in general, this is a pretty ugly game that I don't want to target, but I think a few of those Houston guys are worth it. Um, you know, like I said, Sasser, Mark, Walker, Wart Roberts, all pretty much four times value last time. Um, so I think they're all four playable, not my favorite plays. So honestly, that's going to kind of conclude my analysis on the Cincinnati Houston game. L. Ellis of Louisville going up against a Notre Dame team who is not a very good defensive team, and he has a very high floor. He is literally all they have. They're like the team, like when you see in high school where, they're just a train wreck, but they have that one good player that kind of makes them like somewhat competitive and they hang around in ball games. Louisville's like that on the college level with L. Ellis. He's really good. His team is not. Uh, and so I think because of his exceedingly high usage rate, he's got a very high floor and Notre Dame's not a good defensive team. So I do think this is a pretty good spot for L. Ellis. 
Now, our GPP king, Umoja Gibson of DePaul, has three straight games in between 35 and 38 fantasy points. That is not his MO. <laughs> he is due for a boom or a bust performance, and I think he could go either way against a Marquette team who is going to push the tempo, but is also pretty good defensively and is favored to win this game. So um, I think that Emoji Gibson, he's going to continue to be the GPP king. I'd expect him to get out of that little range of 35 to 38 fantasy points that he's been in lately. In fact, in this game, I actually kind of like both Marquette guards, Tyra Kolek and Cam Jones. Mark, uh, DePaul's not a great defensive team, and we know Marquette loves to push the tempo. All right, now let's look down at the 7K range. So I like the matchup for Turkavian Smith and Tyree Appleby. So I also like the matchup for Jarkel Joyner and Cameron Hildreth, Joyner of NC State, Hildreth of Wake Forest. Uh, your GPP play in this range is going to be Kobe Brown of Missouri. He also gets dual eligibility. Now, my favorite individual play in this range is Grant Sherfield of Oklahoma. Now, he's coming off of three dud games. But in those three dud games, his team scored 52, 60, and 56 fantasy points. Before that, he had three games of at least 28 fantasy points, in which his team had 75, 77, and 68 fantasy points. Noticing a trend? When Oklahoma gets in the high 60s and 70s, Sherfield is pretty good. And in this game, Oklahoma's implied 69 points. They're going up against Alabama, who is fourth in the nation in tempo, according to Ken Palm. I think this is a pretty good spot for Grant Sherfield. I think he's going to be really low-owned. I think he's going to fly in under the radar, and I think he is worth a look on this slate. Now, in the 6K range, in this range, my favorite play is Jaron Holmes of Iowa State. Um, the Iowa State uh, Bonnies, as I've been calling them. The, the, the two St. Bonaventure transfers, Holmes and Asuni, have been great for him. Holmes has hit four times value in three of his last five games. And in the only two where he did not hit value, his team scored 58 and 60 fantasy points. Like I mentioned earlier, this is a tempo up game for them against Missouri and their implied 72. I think that Holmes gets to value easily in this game against Missouri. Temple's Damian Dunn is your high floor cash game option in this range. And another guy that intrigues me is Texas Tech's Davion Harmon. Pop Isaacs is going to miss this game, likely, I believe it is, with a concussion. Uh, and in the last game that Pop Isaacs missed, January 7th against Oklahoma, Davion Harmon had 34 fantasy points in that one, which was about five times value. So this is a really good spot in Davion Harmon with the added usage from Pop Isaacs being out. The 5K range, I think there's a lot of solid options in this one. Not anybody that I'm exactly rushing to play. I have no problem going back to Alan Flanagan of Auburn. He's been really solid lately. I think he's got a pretty high floor. Missouri's Isaiah Mosley has back-to-back -back games filling in for Trey Gamillion. And in those two games, he's had 28 and 34 fantasy points. If Gamillion misses again, then this is a smash spot for Isaiah Mosley. But you need to check on the status of Gamillion first. Now, granted, Mosley's played so well that he might have that spot anyway, but I'd like the assurance that he's going to have that spot before I lock him into my lineups. And then Oklahoma's Milos Uzan is in a similar bounce back spot as Grant Sherfield. He's pretty correlated with Oklahoma's point total, and that point total should be better in this one than it has been in their past three games. Now in the 4K range and below, Brooks Barnizer of Northwestern. Three straight games of four times value, no problem going back to him. Javon Quinterly of Alabama is like the... Just, you never know what you're going to get. You really don't. He's got back-to-back -back games of 24 and 25 fantasy points. And in those two games, he's played 24 and 26 minutes, which are the most that he'd seen since Christmas. So with Quinterly, like last year before he had his season in the injury, he was playing at an all-conference level. He was a really good guard for Alabama. They were a really good team last year. And I kind of just have this feeling like, 
The way that they could really unlock their potential this year is if they start playing Quinterly more and start letting him operate more. Take the pressure off of Mark Sears. Take the pressure off of Brandon Miller. And right now, Quinterly's at a price that if they fully unleash him, he can break a slate. He has that level of upside. He did it against North Carolina earlier in the season. So I really like Quinterly in this slate. I will say it's not a safe play. It's not a high floor play. It's a high ceiling play, but I do think Quinterly is an option. Lamar Washington of Texas Tech is another option that I like. He may draw the start in place of an injured Pop Isaacs, and the last time that he did that on January 7th, he played 36 minutes and had 16.5 fantasy points. That don't sound like a whole lot, but it's pretty much five times value, so I'd be I'd be okay with that. If Minnesota continues to be injury-ridden like they were Wednesday night, Jaden Henley continues to be an option. He had 16 fantasy points against Indiana, filling in for the injured Dawson Garcia and Pharrell Payne. More on that later. Ryan Dunn of Virginia, quite frankly, is a misprice to me. He has three straight games of at least 4.5 times value. He's starting to really see some minutes as a part of that Virginia rotation. He's just a bigger guard that can go in there and be a matchup problem and get rebounds and contribute on the defensive end as well. And I think he's a guy that's going to see a lot more running. You're going to see his price go up sooner or later. All right, that does it for the guards on this slate. Let's go ahead and now take a quick breather and then break down the four positions. All right, let's start at the top of the board with the four position with Brandon Miller of Alabama. He is so talented and so good, but I don't like this spot for Brandon Miller. He doesn't do great in lower pace games. Just, I mean, generally speaking, lower pace games is going to mean less possession, less shot attempts, less fantasy points, right? And Oklahoma is going to try to slow this Alabama team down. Now, I mentioned earlier, you might be thinking like, wait a minute, Mike, you said this was a tempo spot up or tempo up spot for Oklahoma. Now you're saying it's a tempo down spot for Alabama? Yes, because the speed at which you operate your own half-court offense in basketball is up to you. And so Alabama is going to operate it quickly, which is going to mean less possession time for them, which is going to give more possessions for Oklahoma. But Oklahoma is going to take a while, and so Alabama might not get as many possessions as they're used to going up against other faster teams. Tempo up versus tempo down. So this is a tempo down spot for Alabama. So I really don't like this as a spot for Brandon Miller because of those fewer possessions. However, He's still so good, it might not matter. If he, if he has a really efficient game, he might still be able to bring you value, but I just don't like it generally as a spot here. Now, the Xavier Biggs and the Creighton Biggs, all in a great spot in this up-tempo game. Like I said earlier, this game had 177 points scored the last time these two played. Last time they two, the, these two teams went against each other. Sorry for stumbling over my words, y'all. It's late here at night. Ryan Kalkbrenner, 41 fantasy points. Zach Nungy, 42 fantasy points. Zach Fremantle. 27 fantasy points. So it kind of felt like watching this game earlier in the month, Kalkbrenner and Nunji kind of had to be on the floor to guard each other, but they didn't really do a great job of it. But they kind of matched size and matched minutes with Kalkbrenner and Nunji. Now, if you think that maybe they switch that matchup up and Fremantle guards Kalkbrenner, if Fremantle gets in foul trouble, which he did earlier in the week in their last game. Jerome Hunter is going to see increased minutes in usage. Jerome Hunter has actually been over four times value in seven of his eight games. This is an up-tempo game. This was one of those seven games. I think this is a great spot for Jerome Hunter. I think it's a great spot for all the bigs that are going to play for Xavier and Creighton. Now, also for your high-priced forwards, Janai Broom of Auburn, KJ Williams of LSU, they're your super high-risk, high-reward plays, GPP plays only. They don't have a steady floor, but they do have a high ceiling. 
And I think the matchups are okay. Not not the best matchups in the world. Not like smash spots for either of them. But they do have that ceiling that they have shown earlier this season. Now let's head on down to the 7K range. So Oso Iguodaro is my favorite play in this range. He set four times value in three of his last four games. DePaul is one of the worst rebounding teams in the country, though, and they play at a fast tempo. So more boards for Iguodaro, more possessions for Marquette. Uh, I like this as a spot for Oso Iguodaro quite a lot. Now, also, I mentioned how both Wake and NC State struggle to defend the perimeter. Well, the good news is they make up for it by struggling to defend the interior. Andrew Carr of Wake Forest and DJ Burns of NC State, both solid options in daily fantasy, both not great defensive players. So I think that both of them are in pretty good spots. I don't mind going back to either of them. Like I said earlier, this is a game like with the Xavier Creighton game that I want to get some exposure to. Now in the 6K range, this one is contingent on injuries, but if Dawson Garcia, Minnesota, and Pharrell Payne, also of Minnesota, miss this game, Jamison Battle, their teammate, he becomes one of my favorite plays on the slate against Northwestern. He had 37 fantasy points in the last game where both Garcia and Payne missed, and I think that he could very much do the same in this one. Um, just his usage went sky high. Like He was getting more boards. He was being used as one of the main offensive focal players, and I, I just think it's a great spot for him if both those guys are out. Boston College's Quentin Post is in this range as well. He has three straight performances of 26, 52, and 38 fantasy points. However, this matchup against Virginia is tougher than those previous three. The usage is there, but I think that this is a slow tempo, very good defensive team, and so I don't think he has that same upside to get to that 52 number again. But like I said, that's a pretty good trend for a guy in this price range. Asun Asuni of the Iowa State Bonnies has hit four times value in four straight games, and he has a tempo up matchup against Missouri. I've talked about him a lot on this podcast. He's starting to look like he did when he was a St. Bonaventure Bonnie, and I think this is a good spot for him against a Missouri team that doesn't really play a whole lot of size. Now in the 5K range, all of the Temple Owls in this range intrigue me a little bit, but not one of them specifically jumps off the page. And honestly, Good luck figuring that one out. If you want to try to, I think there's some upside there, but I'd rather not. Now, the guy that I do like in this range is Jalen Withers, uh, Withers of Louisville. That's tougher to say than I thought it was going to be. He's been great filling in for Brandon Huntley Hatfield. He's at four times value in three of his last six games, and he hasn't been under three times value in those six games. So if you played him, he hasn't killed you, and he's been able to hit value half the time. In the 4K range, Minnesota's Trayton Thompson will be wildly popular if Garcia and Payne miss this game again. He was wildly popular on Thursday when both of them missed the game, and he played 36 minutes. He had 29.5 fantasy points. There's a reason he was popular. There's a reason he's going to be popular tomorrow if they both miss, and I have no problem going back to him. Great way, even with the high ownership, to squeeze in a lot of value into your lineup by playing Trayton Thompson. Now, I've seen people on Twitter like complain about like playing high ownership guys, but like, I'll be honest, sometimes there's a reason they're high ownership. And so one thing that you got to be able to discern, like if you want to be a good DFS player is when do I eat the chalk? When do I play the high ownership player and who do I fade? Who do I avoid when they're highly owned? And and this is one that I'd have no problem playing. I think that it's a great spot. It makes so much sense. And I, I'm willing to eat the ownership if Garcia and Payne miss this game. 
Now, NC State's Ernest Ross has been serviceable lately with the injuries they've been dealing with. He's been over four times value in three of his last four. I think there's a little bit of upside there. Below 4K, I really think it's kind of bleak for the forwards on this slate. Maybe Van Allen Lubin of Notre Dame has a little bit of upside, but I, I would tend to avoid this range altogether. I think that you can play Trayton Thompson or you can play some of the 6K guys and be able to relieve enough salary to get to where you want to go. All right, that does it for the four position on the main slate. And that does it for our analysis of the main slate. If you were here for just the main slate, thank you for listening. As a bonus, we've got the, our, my top five plays from the afternoon and the evening slate coming up. Not a full breakdown, but just top five plays. If you're interested in for any of the slates, how I piece it together and build my DFS lineups, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Picks. And you've gotten this far, so clearly you're enjoying listening to this. Please help me out. Rate, review, subscribe to the podcast trying to grow this listener base we are growing every college basketball episode you guys are the best and i want to keep it that way i want to keep it growing because if you just get one percent bigger every day it's going to be pretty big after 100 days so um please help me out please do your thing but without further ado let's take a quick breather and then let's get to these top five plays All right, so these plays are going to be in no particular order. Um, I'm not ranking them one through five. Um, I just five guys that, looking through the slate, stand out guys that I want to find a way to put into my lineup. So for the afternoon slate, we're starting off with Azulas Tubelis of Arizona. Now in this game, Arizona is eight-point favorites, and they're implied 81 points, which is the most on the slate. Going up against Washington, which is a smash spot for bigs. Azulas Tubelis had 51.5 fantasy points last time Arizona played Washington. Washington's zone usage makes them very susceptible to bigs, especially ones like Azulas Tubelis, who can score at all three levels, who can operate with and without the basketball, and who can get offensive rebounds. His ability to kind of do it all and be that chess piece offensively really makes him effective against a 2-3 zone, and I think that he will continue to be effective against a 2-3 zone in this one. He is one of my top five plays for this slate. Next up is Gregory G.G. Jackson of South Carolina. He is making my list. He has 40 fantasy points in back-to-back games, which is close to five times value for his current salary. And he's got a matchup against a Georgia team who just gave up 70 fantasy points. Yes, you heard that right. 70 fantasy points to Oscar Shibway a few weeks ago. And they really struggle to defend the interior. They really struggle to rebound. So guess what? Great spot for G.G. Jackson. He makes my list. Zakai Ziegler is the third guy on my list, and honestly, y'all, it breaks my heart to put somebody on my list that is going up against my Texas Longhorns, but Zakai Ziegler has been that good. He hasn't been under 33 fantasy points in three straight games, and the matchup against Texas is not a bad one. Texas is starting to play at a much faster tempo under Rodney Terry than they did under Chris Beard, and they've been kind of susceptible to both guards and bigs, as much as it pains me to say that. So um, Ziegler, with his increased usage the last three games, I think that this Tennessee offense will be able to score points against Texas. Great spot for Zakai Ziegler. Nigel Pack of Miami is the next guy on my list. In his last two games, he's got 33 and 28 fantasy points, which is a pretty good sign. He's starting to look like the Nigel Pack that he was at Kansas State and the Nigel Pack that Miami thought they were getting in the transfer portal this offseason. It's also a great matchup against Pitt. We talked about it on, I believe it was the Wednesday podcast when they played Wake Forest, that this was a great spot for guards. And the Wake Forest guards did not disappoint. Tyree Appleby and Cameron Hildreth both had solid performances. So I think this is a great spot for Nigel. Pack. If you want to include the other Miami guards as well, you can, but I like what Pack has done recently, and I do like how he matches up against Pitt. 
last play on this slate. And really my favorite value play this slate is Kize Tomonaga. Kaize? Kize? I'm going to go with Kize, and I think I got it right with Tomonaga. I have not watched a Nebraska game this year, so I, I wish I had an example on that one to go off of. Anyway, looking at his performances. He had 29 fantasy points in his last game. Nebraska continues to have injuries that are creating minutes for him, and I think that he's just in a really solid spot, um, uh, and I think that he's one of my favorite value plays of the slate. All right, now looking at the night slate, talking about top five plays for the night slate, Trace Jackson Davis of Indiana cannot be ignored. He is on a tear, y'all. Over 52 fantasy points in four straight games and over 65 fantasy points in his last two. That is insane. Utterly insane. Now, if you want to point out that he's had favorable matchups, okay. You want to point out that Indiana plays up-tempo, okay, like fine. But, I mean, he only needs 44 to get to four times value, which sounds absurd saying, but he's been over 52 in four straight. So I really think he has a chance to do that, and I think it's a good matchup for him against Ohio State where he's going to have the athleticism advantage down low, whether it's key or sense of ball that Ohio State decides to match up with him. Uh, I think Trace Jackson Davis has an advantage either way, and I don't see his streak stopping. Now, if you don't want to pay all the way up for Oscar or for any or dang it, I, I spoiled it. If you don't want to pay all the way up for Trace Jackson Davis, you can pay up for Oscar Sheebite little bit of a discount. And I think this is a smash spot for Oscar Sheboy. Going up against Kansas, they are a small ball basketball team. They give up a lot of points and rebounds to big men. And if you want to include Jacob Toppin in that as well, I think you can. But I think this is a great spot for Sheboy going up against Kansas. Hunter Couture of Virginia Tech is third on my list. He's played in three games since returning from injury, and he's averaging 37 minutes in those three games, so clearly he's fully healthy. He's averaging 22 fantasy points in those three games. I think this is a great spot against Syracuse. We all know they play a 2-3 zone, and he's just going to have an opportunity to just catch and shoot, catch and shoot, catch and shoot, catch and shoot, and I think that he's going to make enough of them that it's going to be a good fantasy day for Hunter Couture. Isaac Likely is my fourth play of the late slate. He is kind of taking a stranglehold over the starting point guard role for Ohio State. He's played in 32 and 26 minutes in his last two games. The fantasy points have varied 42 and 15, and I think that he's going to kind of find a home somewhere in the middle of that, but he does have the point guard role back for Ohio State, and he is not priced like it. So jump on him now while you can get him at this discount, and I think he's in a great spot for Saturday. Lastly, Tyron Lawrence of Vanderbilt is my last pick for this slate. He's been pretty dang solid, kind of having some breakout performances in the last four games. 33, 35, 27, and 17 fantasy points in those last four games. Vanderbilt is searching for answers. Liam Robbins is out with an injury, and they benched right in the last game for quote-unquote lack of effort. So I believe that this is opening up a spot for Tyron Lawrence as their high-usage guy offensively, and I think this is a pretty good spot against the Texas A&M team that's just kind of average defensively. So I think that this is definitely makes Tyron Lawrence one of my top five plays of the night slate. All right, y'all. So that does it for the analysis for the main, the afternoon, and the night slate. We have made it to here to the end of the show. All right, so as always, if you want my full DFS picks, head on over to Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. And if you are a fan of the show, please rate and subscribe. And also, please look at the other sports content as well. We've got a preview for the NFL Conference Championship round that is up. Um, if So if you're playing DFS for that, or if you haven't played NFL DFS all year, this would be a great time to start because it's really the last slate that we have. So check that out if you are interested. Um, and... 
we've made it to the end, y'all. Appreciate the support. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see y'all next time.